1: a team at sport-social.co.uk
0: Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass Manchester United Tactical Podcast. You already know who I am. I am Hader Abani, and I'm joined by Rob today. <laughs> Rob, smash, and grab Manchester United have beaten Wolves one nil with a goal by Mason Greenwood that's three in three now I'm not going to lie to you and I know you guys are all feeling exactly the same that was pretty atrocious it was disjointed by the end of the day Manchester United got the result we are going to go through it tactically I think this game Rob threw up more questions and answers and we've got issues in midfield that we really do need to resolve but Manchester United are sitting with seven points I'm very disappointed with the performance, but I'm happy with the result. And uh, that's positive now, you know, we've got seven out of nine. How are you feeling after that? I mean, you know, you messaged me at halftime saying this is possibly going to be a difficult show.
1: Well, I don't feel good. (laughs) Let's start off by saying that. But I did say this after the Southampton result, that when you play badly, the trick, and it's the most important trick in football, is that you win. So if you can play badly, you can go back to the training ground and you can fix what's wrong. But you must win. If you want to win a title, three points every week, please, on the plate. Today, Manchester United won. Somehow, they found a way. And we're going to kind of go through it all step by step because there were some very specific things today that were wrong. And there are some very obvious things that people will want to talk about and will be thinking about at this moment. So... I'm sure people will be talking about Fred and his performance, certainly in the first half as well. And Paul Pogba slipping back in deeper into a pivot in the first half as well. And in the second half, when Ole went back to it and kind of some of the more, as I said, the obvious bits of the game that weren't very pretty. Um, But we're also going to talk about Bruno Fernandes. Like something's really important about Bruno's role in this team this year going forward. And, There were problems with Bruno Fernandes today. Uh, He was anonymous. But I think when you look at the shape of the game and the United switching from 4-2-3-1 in the first 10 minutes to a 4-3-3 and finding like they were hitting a brick wall, that is worrying because that's something tactically now. They need to go away and they need to fix it. Um, But we'll, we'll look at the shape of the game. We'll look at how it happened, why it happened. But United got very, very lucky today and you have to ride your luck sometimes. And, you know, Mason Greenwood with a speculative cross shot, bad goalkeeping, back of the net, 1-0. And a special thank you to David De Gea for being old David De Gea today, because that save on the line was magnificent. Oh, unbelievable. You know, prime David De Gea back.
0: I hope so. And, you know, one of the main things actually, which made me really happy, Rob, was not far after that or not long after that, we saw De Gea run off his line and hoof it into Rosetta. You know, he hasn't done that many times. So, you know, we're starting to see it. We said it yesterday in the the podcast we did about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. We did say that David De Gea is staying. He's looking like he's fighting for his place. You know, he could easily probably decide that this is not for me. So that's a very big positive for me. And I want to see a, a second renaissance of David de Gea. But we'll, that's not really what we're going to be talking about today. What I will say, though, there's a fine line between playing poorly and getting the results, which is very, very important. We know that. But and we can always get caught up in saying, you know, oh, it's great. we got the three points anyway. But I think what we saw today was fundamental issues that we've seen for for a year, two years, Rob, still under Oli. I think the midfield was an issue today. I think the right-hand side in that first half, James Wan-Bissaka was not working. Again, it's like we were operating uh, you know, lopsided on the left. And we'll, we'll talk about Sancho as well later. He did not have a good game today, a difficult game today. I think you know um, we need to discuss that. But let's just start with the formation and uh, the selections. Man United went with David De Gea in goal. The back four, we saw Varane start, which was fantastic. And he was, uh, for me, one of United's better players today. And uh, we saw in the midfield, we saw the pivot of Pogba and Fred. Now, looking at that team, Rob, let's sort of talk about the setup because it looked like we would be 4-2-3-1, but we did go 4-3-3 and it was a disaster, Rob, an absolute disaster. Fans have been calling for 4-3-3. Today, for me, showed why we still can't play that formation. And actually, you're not going to get the best out of Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes if we play 4-3-3.
1: I agree with that, and this is why when we've done masterclasses in the past and fans have talked to us consistently about going to play 4-3-3 and making sign-ins that make you be able to play that system because it's so popular, and that's, that's this is what systems are. I always say, don't I, Hader? that, that systems are, are about popularity sometimes, that fans see a system they like or they hold on to it, and 4-3-3 is certainly that system. People want to see United play that, even though United have never played it really. Let's tell the story of the game because I think it's really important to look at it step by step without going too slowly. So United started the game as 4 2 3 1. Paul Pogba in a double pivot, sitting back with Fred. Not two defensive midfielders, but in a double pivot. That's how it is. United's double pivot is not two sitting midfielders. And what happened? In the first 10 minutes, Fred got absolutely murdered. Uh kind of I, I kind of in my head I was calling it a career ending 10 minutes. That's what I was calling it. Because Ole would have been sat there going, What is he doing? And the thing was, it was partly his fault because he's the guy who's making the mistakes and the errors, both positionally, both tactically and with the ball at his feet. But the other side of it is, is that when he hasn't got McTominay supporting him, his head kind of just disappears, goes. And Paul Pogba was the guy supporting him with him. But of course, we know that Paul Pogba doesn't really have defensive qualities, doesn't really have the energy in those parts of the park to do the job. So what did United do? So after 10 minutes, United changed it. They went to 4-3-3, the fabled system that everybody wants to see. And How did that work out? Well, United couldn't pass the ball. There was no feel. There was no chemistry. There was no nuance in their game. Everything came hard. And as I said, uh, again, in my head, I I was thinking, I was thinking they're actually doing nothing right zero there was no part of the game that looked good so the only two players I think that looked relatively comfortable were the centre-backs so you mentioned Varane there I think Varane and Maguire were okay I think they they did their jobs and even though Wolves were the team in the ascendancy you know De not made lots of saves today even though he made obviously the most important save of the match to get United the result so that's the first half kind of wrapped up now I wanted Ole to make big changes at halftime I looked at that and I thought tactically it's a mess the system is a mess. You need to scrap four-three-three 3 3 now, and you need to go back to 4-2-3-1. And I would have facilitated that by either bringing on Matic or Van Der Beek. I'd have taken off James. I'd have put Pogba up the pitch. I'd have put Sancho on the other side. That's what I would have done. So he didn't do that. He sat with it. He stuck with it. And he eventually went back to a kind of four-two-three-one shape with Pogba sitting deeper. And this time he did go to a more defensive pivot. So Pogba, you saw, became more naturally uh, deeper. So he was playing more of a quarterback role. He was getting the ball deeper off the centre-backs. They were plugging that gap. They were stopping Wolves being able to progress through midfield so easily. And what he ended up doing to facilitate change was he brought Cavani on. Now, I wasn't... Surprised he brought Cavani on, but I I kind of looked at where he was going to take the player off from, and obviously he took Dan James off. I think it was around the hour mark or something like that. But Dan James, who does all the functionality, but the issue is that when he gets that opportunity to shine, when he's in that last third, when he's got that ball at his feet, he's just a mess. So yeah, he was a mess again end today. End product
0: was a real problem with Dan James. End,
1: end product's a problem for Dan James, but he wasn't really the biggest problem in the whole game. But he was the right player to pull at the right time. I think it made it a hard life for Jaden Sancho as well, simply because the system changing all over the shop. You know, he doesn't know all these nuanced changes. He's been at the football club two weeks. It's really, really difficult. He's coming into the Premier League. You could see he found the pace a little bit tough. You know, he hasn't, you know, he's not faced a team like Wolves, who are going to go hard at you. You know, it's very, very different to Bundesliga football. Um, and obviously very, very different to how uh, Dortmund play. United are playing a system here. They're trying to invent a 4-3-3 that they can use going forward with these players. And you can see that it's in its infancy. Anyway, let's get to the kind of l- latter end of the game. So I think Pogba started to take control a little bit from deeper. It slowed the game down. It stopped Wolves kind of moving forward at the pace they were. And you saw even with Traore, Traore was running out of steam because he'd been running hard. It, it just took the gas out of Wolves. And United just started when Cavani came onto the pitch. It wasn't because of Cavani, it was just because of the shape. So United went to a, that 4 one that they know, go back to what you know. I always say this in football, and they did. They went back to what they know. They got a few opportunities. Mason gets a chance on the right, smashes it across, you get three points so there's an element of luck there but there's also an element of know-how you know go back to what you know and if something doesn't work don't always stick with it and i think with today ole he wanted to stick with it he wanted to stick with that four three three in the first half he didn't want to admit defeat from minute 10 to minute 45 and it could have cost united united could have conceded one or two or three goals in that period and been blown away but they didn't but for me when you look at it the reason why 4-3-3 three three doesn't work is primarily because of one player and that is because bruno fernandez when he goes from a 4-2-3 one where he's the number 10 and he's got license to press and license to sit in the hole and license to go chasing do you know he likes to do that doesn't he? he likes to follow the ball go into the areas where he can be involved in the 4-3-3 he's not as good at it and that is key because if united are going to play 4-3-3 going forward I don't even know Bruno Fernandes can be on the pitch. Now that's a big thing to say. You know, Bruno is our most, you know, productive, effective play. He scored a hat-trick in the first game of the season. But I think it shows why United stick with 4-2-3-1 with Bruno Fernandez at the core, because that's the system that gets the most out of him. And if you play 4-3-3, you might want to get the most out of Sancho or you might even bring in a Van Der Bake eventually. You know, I'm sure he'll get games. And there's other players that you're trying to find roles for, but you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And Bruno Fernandes today just looked a mess to me. He didn't know where he was supposed to be. He was kind of—you you can see when he's perturbed up here that the passes go, the passes go skew If that Pogba's not closer to him, yellow card, lots of yapping. You know, I know he does all this anyway, but you could just see that he's not the conductor of the band in 4-3-3. It hurt him for Portugal in the Euros, like you mentioned, and it, and it and it hurt him here. So I don't think it's an experiment that United can really stick with. I know fans want to see 4-3-3, and fans always say, well, you know, if it doesn't work, then it's all right, let's try it. Well, if you, you try it, and you end up where Arsenal are in the league, what happens to they going to Solskjaer's job? You know, none of you would do that and lose your job just to play a system. So Oli's trying to play systems here to make it work, but you could see today, tactically, it was a complete nightmare. Could you find a manager that plays 4-3-3? Of course you could, but as it stands... United's personnel says that you play 4-2-3-1. 4-2-3-1 rescued the result today. And I'm thankful that in that last 20 minutes, Ole got it right, that he got Cavani on the football pitch and they stuck with that system because that's how they won the football match.
0: Oh, Rob, look, if we'd stayed 4-3-3, we'd not have won that football match. That's the reality. We'd have lost 4-0. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things as well is that the perception that 4-3-3 is more attacking. (laughs) It just—I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's FIFA rob, Maybe it's the fact that you have one one defensive midfielder and the, the the view that a forty-three-one is two DMS, which is not. We said it so yeah. many times. That's, I think that's where it comes from. But I four mean, three
1: look. three four three three is not more attacking. It's not six players attacking. No. It's what people think all the time. They talk about 4 three, 3 like they're playing FIFA because you have three going forward and three behind. It's not real football. It's really difficult in the Premier League to play energised football like that without cover. So 4-2-3-1 is also not defensive. Like People say, oh, it's two sitting me feels. I heard Roy Keane Say today that United play with two sitting midfielders. He's a midfielder, a club legend who's played midfield. But it was and Pogba it, and Fred. And it's wrong. They midfield. were not no, but they did in the last 20 minutes, they did play two sitting midfielders, but they don't play it week to week. You know, Fred and McTominay McFred are not two defensive midfielders. They're defensive-minded, I keep saying it, but they don't play just in front of the back four and not they don't move one goes and one stays now today United couldn't do that because between Fred and uh, Pogba there was no chemistry between that so ideally it would have been Fred wouldn't it screening and it would have been Pogba going but they didn't have a clue it's like they didn't speak the same language you know they had no idea Pogba's going up doing this thing Fred's running after everything from left side to the right side it was a complete mess but they got it right in that last 20 minutes, which is what mattered because it was still nil-nil and they found a way to win. So that's a real positive. You can take that away. But I just think going forward, you're not going to see 4-3-3 your system unless United magically go and buy a midfielder that facilitates 4-3-3 on Tuesday. I just think that, you know, 4-2-3-1, is said here, can be an attacking system there depending on personnel. United's exactly. setup is about that. It's about the front four. Yeah, I always talk about the front four. And Bruno is the key in that because he's the guy that is... Either playing number 10, but like a false nine, scoring goals, getting in the box, being effective. And then you have your wide players who are not wingers, they're narrow, they play channel football, and then your striker can go and do, oh Ronaldo things, you know, in around the box, get him the ball in danger areas. And that none of that happened today. Like, in the first 70 minutes of the game, United created nothing, there was no cohesion, the ball was just like a bar of soap between them being thrown around. It was so odd watching it. It was just like, you're going, this is disaster football. You know, 70 minutes of, like, everything that Ole said to do, None of them could do it, or would, would try and do it. So part of that's on Ollie. I said this in my in a tweet. The manager has to take the blame for that seventy minutes, but you know what? He also gets some of the credit for the final twenty minutes.
0: So, Rob, I think one of the key things as well is that I mean we said it on this podcast many many times as well. A lot of people, I think there's a there's a misconception, and I see it a lot on Twitter, Rob. That fans think that the system's re, you know built around Bruno Fernandez. He's the only one benefiting from it, and they think that if you play 4-3-3 or you bring Bruno back, the rest of the system's going to be fine. You bring Bruno further back, and we mentioned it earlier, you know, when he plays for Portugal, you're going to lose 50% of his goals and assists. And if you take 50% of the goals away from Manchester United, you know, of Bruno's goals away from Manchester United, that is a big gap. You need to score, you know, you know, 20, 30 goals more to be able to facilitate that. There's no guarantee that if you drop Bruno further back, and I actually don't think that Bruno Fernandes, even if you get this DM that everybody wants, I really don't believe that you can play Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in a 4-3-3, and get the most out of them. I think Paul so, Pogba is the best off, off off the left in the 4 one as a floating eight. Mm-hmm. I think Bruno Fernandes is best as a number 10 who's allowed to make runs into box, get close to the box. I think that's where United are most creative. And that's why, for me, I know... The options are liked at the moment in that midfield. There's no doubt about it. Without McTomney, and I think that was that's quite the frightening thing. And yeah, you know, we said it before. Me and you don't think that McFred are incredible. And I think a lot of people no. perceive that we think that we don't. What we say is McFred is the best option to get the most out of everything else. Why? Because Fred looks better as well next to him. They're functional. They work hard. They they do the basics without being spectacular. They need we need a better passer in there. There's no doubt. We both said this, but they allow the rest of the front four. Even Luke Shaw to go forward. I didn't see Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw as progressive today. Yeah. Because of the fact <laughs> that the, the pivot was a mess. That's why. Yeah,
1: it, and, and also, when you switch to 4-3-3, you could see how the United just went rabbit in headlights. So the first 10 minutes were bad because the double pivot was all over the shop. So we know that. But you could see that from minute 10 to minute 45... United just looked stunned. So you, you talked there about Luke Shaw and wan let's say. So both of those guys, there was no kind of progressive driving from them until maybe later on in the game. I think Luke Shaw picked up his game uh, later on when it was 4-2-3-1. And you've also got to realise that when you train in a shape and you do it over and over and over again, it becomes programmed into you. So when you switch the shape, go to your plan B. And I think this is something we've talked about a lot in, in previous masterclasses is that you kind of get this, this kind of brain freeze about what am I doing? Where am I supposed to be? Where am I, you know, the naturalness in what I do now, United don't, do Plan B very well. Now that's on Allegri and Solskjaer. He's got to find a Plan B. But you could say that Pep Guardiola doesn't particularly have a Plan B. That uh, Jurgen Klopp doesn't really have a Plan B. He they, they play their systems and they like to stick to them or they just tweak them for the opponent. Now look, when you think with Ole, I think against Leeds, United are doing what they do best. So they play four two three one. Players in their correct positions. Everything's great. McTominay was obviously in that match. We take McTominay out. What are you taking out of the team? energy the dog you know I said it in the last episode take your dog out of the team you've got to put another dog in it's really hard for Paul Pogba to replicate Scott McTominay things it's just as hard as Scott McTominay doing Paul Pogba things he just wouldn't work would it you just can't ask them to be the same player but in that system in a 4 two, 3 when you have to find answers so you know it could have been very easy for Ole at halftime to go back to Matic you know because Matic at least would have been a defensive player you could have just stuck them in there plugged the holes but I think at nil-nil, Ole was still trying to win the game. Yeah. So this is the whole, this is how he, I think, looked at the match. Jaden Sancho, who we will touch on towards the end of the show. I don't think he had a bad game, Haydar. I just think the shape of the match and how it is, it's like, what are you supposed to do? No, like, I don't think you know, he had a bad it, game. It, either. You know, like Anthony Martial, people said Anthony Martial had a bad game in his first match. And we kind of said in that Southampton game that, you know, there was no facilitation for the striker. And then when you looked at this game, it was exactly the same problem. So, Whoever was through the middle at any point of time was getting nothing because the ball wasn't progressing through the pitch, up the pitch to to the danger areas. And when United finally started doing that in just the last 15, 20 minutes, it just looked better. And that's when they went and won the game. You only need one goal to win a game. One nil is fine. You know, we'll walk away from this. And that's how the boys will feel. They'll come out of it and they'll go, that was awful, but we'll go and fix it. We'll go and work on it. But we won. And that's all the table cares about. The table just cares that you win. So ultimately, we're okay with it. But the performance, as I said, was so so kind of... Mis- I talked to the other day, I said the word dysfunction, and I still use it all the time at United, is that there's still dysfunctional elements, and Ole has to find the answers to it. You can't always find the answer in a transfer. You've sometimes got to find the answer within. But I do want to
0: also add, Rob, and I tweeted about this as well, that how different is this Wolves side to the way they were under Nuno? They're completely mm. different. So they were, you know what, Rob? Fantastic. Very fluid. And this is the thing. Three yeah. games in, Bruno, La- Bruno Lage has been there for three games. Well, he's obviously had the preseason. They were fantastic. They were so difficult to defend against. And I want to talk about one player because we always talk about him. I mean, I think Adama was fantastic today. You know, he absolutely made, Mm -hmm. you know, he made Fred's life a nightmare. We're not going to go into Fred today because we all know the issues of Fred. He's been absolutely slammed on Twitter. I don't want to talk about Fred today, guys. So we all know the issues of Fred. We all know what he can offer. We all know the deficiencies. We're not going to talk about him. Everyone else will be talking about him. We're not going to do that. But Ruben Neves today, Rob, I thought he was fantastic. He keeps it so simple. For me, you know, he has a good passing range, usual passing range that we see. But I think he's very, I thought he was brilliant today from a defensive point of view. We've looked at his stats previously before. You know, he's very good at interceptions. He's not the quickest. He's not the strongest. You know, he's not the fastest. But positionally, the way he reads the game is fantastic. And I think if Manchester United are going to look for a player, I know we're not We're, we're not going to go and play fantasy football, but that's the sort of player you think, right, that he could fit in a 4-2-3-1 next to McTominy. he really could. And he's the Definitely. sort of, that's the smart sort of signings. I mean, I was, I, I'm always impressed when I watch him, but I was really impressed today. And I did watch him more closely and they had the lovely balance of their team. If they had a goal scorer today, Rob, I mean, Jimenez is just coming back from the, the fractured skull. They would have beaten United 3-0, 4-0, let's be
1: honest. Yeah. You know, they're definitely a progressive entity now, Wolves. And I got lots of uh, kind of tweets and replies to when I said about, you know, Van der Beek, I, I thought he might start today, Van der Beek. And again, the way this, the, the game went with Fred, um, I can kind of see why Oli didn't fancy that pair up of Fred and Van der Beek. It might've been even worse than Fred and Pogba. Um but I think when you look at uh, where Wolves are now, people were saying to me, oh, Van der Beek, you know, was man in a match against Wolves last time. I was trying to say in the kind of minimal tweets that you can without going completely into a book about it, was that this is a different Wolves side. So this Wolves team,
0: this,
1: this Wolves type, this is not Wolves playing under Nuno. This is Wolves playing a completely different brand of football. So, again, people might not be up to date on what Wolves are doing. They've had more shots than pretty much any team across the first three games of the season. They've not scored a goal. But your worry, of course, is that if they continue with the same vein, is that they might score that goal against you or maybe five. So, today, United, I think if United got it really bad defensively, like wrong defensively today, say Varane had a shocker on his first game or something happened in terms of the, the cohesion in the back four or De Gea doesn't make that save, you know, you say De Gea is not on, on his game today, then it's at least a draw or maybe a loss. And we're having a very different conversation here now, aren't we? But Wolves are a team where you look at me you think, yeah, they are the kind of side that will probably be mid-table the season. They will hurt teams. They'll score goals when they sort that out. And you could see today that United survived by the skin of their teeth while kind of, trying to formulate their own dysfunction, trying to stop their own issues manifesting into the result. Somehow it didn't work like that. You know, United won the game 1-0 and as I said, it doesn't matter. Then you can kind of say, okay, it's fine. But yeah, a good performance from Wolves. You know, you can see what they are and you can see the kind of team that they're going to be. And they're a great attacking team to watch. You can see, this this manager will harness Adama Traore in a way that Nuno didn't like to do. So I think you might see a really, really big season from Adama. And you can see two or three other Wolves players in there as well who were maybe more water carriers last season. They've got quality and they, they're going to attack teams and they're going to score goals. Trinkau was fantastic today, Rob. Brilliant. Really
0: brilliant. Trincao. I mean, look, he's he's an ex-barster player. We all know a lot about him, or well, he's very highly rated. But look, they I was so impressed, Rob. I didn't I haven't had a chance to watch Wolves, so I wasn't no wasn't sure what I was meant to be expecting here. Mm-hmm. But they were just on a different level, and I think they were so explosive, and and they will do well this year. They reminded me of Brighton last season, you know, so yeah, good making i just, you know, sort of underperforming when it comes to XG. Sorry, guys, if you all hate XG, but, you know, that's that's that is a stat that gets used. <laughs> but, um, look, Rob, I'm gonna, this is a good question here. And it's saying, you know, can you please explain why our build up playing structure has been so poor in the last two games? What does Scott do that makes our build up better? What you I do, do want to yeah. add, Rob, is that I think there's so, there's actually several different reasons why I think our build up has been struggling. I think, you know, you, we mentioned last week's spacing is yep. very important yep. in, in the double pivot. You can also talk about the angles at which the fullbacks are as well, yep. because you have to remember whoever's playing a centre-back has to have an out ball and, you know, they want to have more than one or two options. And if the pivot aren't giving you options and the only other second option in, is to go out to the fullbacks or to go long, I think that's mm-hmm. been Manchester United's problem the last few games. I think whoever's been playing at centre-back, Lindelof last week, Maguire this week uh, and and Varane, I think they, they were lacking options. And I think the issue comes from the pivot and, you know, it went to 4 today I think the United need to sort that out. And I think when Scott does play and Fred play together I think their spacing they seem to understand each other a bit better don't they they understand their roles a bit better like I feel 100% like, better Yeah, like a million not, percent great. better they're, neither of them are world class passers but they the spacing's better there's more options for whoever's playing behind we'll talk about Varane because I was impressed with Varane today and that was a difficult game to play Wolves isn't an easy place to go Molyneux was absolutely rocking but yeah let, let's
1: go into that a little bit about our build up play so so let's talk about Scott McTominay and Pivot so when you when you play the double pivot and, I, and I'll explain in terms of where Scott McTominay uh, plays generally when United try and bring the ball out from the back you will normally see Maguire advance and Lindelof stick now obviously Lindelof's not there today but the the idea of it is that Fred is the guy that just drops into the space behind Maguire allowing United to be correctly spaced and then that allows Scott McTominay to start slightly more advanced So the ball doesn't then go sideways to McTominay, that's rare. What McTominay can do then is push forward and that pushes the whole play forward. Yeah, the whole shape of the team, the opposition goes that way together. And then you have the fullbacks who will see that, they'll recognise it, and they will push towards that way as well. So that's how the shape of the team works. When United are playing well, that's what they do well. And it's comfortable, they do it second nature, it's easy. You could see today that certainly in that first half and when they kind of switched to 4-3-3, they were like all over the place. But when the pivot was failing, it was the spacing. So Pogba and um, Fred were either this close or they were like this close and there was just like a train. You could drive a train between them. So they couldn't get the spacing right. It just was a nightmare. There was no outball from the defenders. Why? Because United weren't particularly moving in the space anyway. So you can look at that two ways. First way is that Tactically United have got something wrong there, that Ole hasn't shown his team what to do. But I don't believe that. Why? Not because I'm high on Solskjaer, but because this team knows 4-2-3-1. They train in it every day for the last two or three years. So they do know the system. It's about individuals doing their job. So and We I always
0: think- had a problem, though, Rob. Let's be honest. How seamless have we been at building out from the back? It has been a problem throughout Solskjaer's reign.
1: It's a, it's a problem because it's also been a personnel issue of how do people do their jobs. So today, if you want Paul Pogba in a double pivot, yeah, you're going to get maybe some more progressive balls. You might get some delicious Hollywood balls over the top, which we saw, didn't we? You said, people start talking, you know, when uh, he does that quick ball from the halfway line and it goes over the top to Bruno and everyone goes... <gasps> oh I hate it I hate that ball because it's just a loop over the back of the defense just a long ball there's nothing cultured about it. it's not beautiful it's rubbish yeah I don't want my double pivot doing that that's not football you get there quick you might score a goal from it but I bet you score one goal out of 100 attempts out of that it's not tactically clever but you might do it now and then so Pogba does that when he plays deep because he's looking for that run and he's looking for that kind of third man run there from Bruno and they do it over and over and it's boring I just look at it and kind of think that's not football play actual And how many times does that actually come off maybe one out of it doesn't come off like it doesn't like you literally said one out of a hundred i think it probably will be more like that statistically it's like one percent so i don't want to see that i would rather see ball progression but paul pogba is not a ball progressor in that part of the park so that's an issue so The problem here is that Scott McTominay is injured. So it's what do you do if you're playing a double pivot? Well, you probably have to play Fred, even if he's bad. Yes, like today, he was bad. You still got to play him. He doesn't come off the football pitch. You can't afford to take his energy out of there. He is a dog doing a dog's job, but it's who is next to him. So you lose them, Paul Pogba, don't you? Being effective in the final third because he's miles away uh, from you that. You saw power. that today, Rob. You know, five, five assists, out of our six goals. You so lost it that completely. So it yeah. snapped. So Paul Pogba, you notice towards the end of the game when it was freeing up and there was more space and players were getting tired and all of that, he started going wandering. He was like, "I'm going up that end of the pitch now. I want to go and start playing where I want to play." And I do think that part of it is that it's not that Paul Pogba is lazy or not motivated or anything like that. He does not want to play in the double pivot he's not interested it's not where he wants to do it he'll do the job he'll do as he's asked but it's just that you could just see it's just not his game but that's a question for Ole to answer now because Ole has to do this going forward and say do I put van der Beek in there do I trust him do I just go with Matic and play with two defensive midfielders because you know but then that's going to hurt my ball progression these are all kind of fundamental questions about the philosophy of Manchester United but Ole has to answer them and it's difficult because if you're playing a more progressive team, like, say, Manchester City or Liverpool, you can play counter-attack. That's easy. You know, let's just sit back a little bit, use our pace and go. But United can't do that against Wolves. Wolves are too fluid. Southampton were fluid as well. Like, people said Southampton play a low block. They didn't play a low block at all. They played pressing style. So United found that difficult. So questions, as you said at the top of the show, more questions than answers, and that is an issue. And it'd be nice to hear some questions from the audience because I can see there's lots, of, lots rolling through there. People have some really good good kind of notes about the game. And it's, it's a, United are in a difficult place because they're trying to integrate two brand new signings and now they're going to have to integrate a certain goat. Yeah. So how do you get that? Because Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't make this a better performance today. No way. Well, there was no two- service. Cavani came on. We had our first shot on target in the 57th minute and that was Fred's shot. I can't even remember it. Just, this is the whole point of it. It's like, you know, United's goal came out of the blue. I was sat there glum as anything. Like when we scored, I was a bit like, that, that was mm. me. I was like, "We're one, oh, nil, yeah. up. We're one yeah. nil up." I didn't celebrate it. I just went, "Yeah, that's good. I'm glad I just we won saw, nil up. I just thought,
0: I, th- "I just thought, thank God, let's let's close this game out." Exactly,
1: and that's, that's good it. because I I think that that was the you've got to be able to turn horrendous performances into positive days. And I think in the past, United have had good days and still lost, and that's worse. You can play really well and lose, but it counts for nothing. You haven't got three points, and it just means nothing. You know, there's no kind of blowback there. So I looked at it today as the fact that it's a real positive that United managed to get three points, but it was nothing positive about the performance at all, except that last 15 or 20 minutes where I think they, they just did enough to turn the tide to get that shot off and obviously get the goal.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Rob. And uh there's a couple of questions here before we go on to Varane and Sancho. But mm-hmm. uh question is saying, so are we saying that Bruno can only play in one system? I don't think Othensibly, it's necessarily. I, I don't Othensibly, think so. I mean, like
1: he can I play 4-3-3, think... but it's just not going to be very good. You can play 4-3-3, you're not going to win. So this is the whole thing. Bruno can play 4-3-3, 4-2-4, 4-4-2, 4 one He 1. do them all. But... It's just not as good as when United play four-two-three-one. So, you know, United have other shapes that they can play. Every team does. But managers will always lean on the shapes that win them games. So it's not that we can't play other shapes. But you saw today that Bruno Fernandes, sitting in the midfield, doing midfield things, number eight jobs, yeah, across the midfield, with three midfielders who've, who've got to dictate those channel spaces. So they've got to press and they've also got to support the defence. Bruno can press, but if he presses beyond the attacker, which he likes to do, he's then got like a whole got field behind cap. him. It's yeah. like it's like it's like a hundred yards behind him. And then if the ball goes over him, you're dead. You are dead. The best teams in the Premier League will love that. If you give that to Man City and you give that to Kevin De Bruyne, De Bruyne's going great. I'm so glad you played four three three today because I'm going to kill you now. So United have to be aware of those things. So I think that's the issue with Bruno is that he's good at what he does and he's cultured he'll score your goals but he isn't the best ball progressor he's not great as a number eight he's much better as a false nine or a 10 he's not particularly clever in wider areas I don't think and he does make bad decisions sometimes when he's getting flustered you know he doesn't just get the ball down and play a cool five six seven eight yard pass so there's lots of questions around that is and for Ole he has to develop the system rather than just maybe chop and change
0: uh, something i do want to add as well is a comment here um you know sort of saying even if we sign a defensive midfielder so it won't solve the way we played today the shape got uh, today the team got no shape um and purpose i actually tweeted something similar i said if anyone thinks that just a defensive midfielder comes in suddenly everything's fixed it's not there's fundamental issues and we've spoken about it you know and the the question was great about the build up and i think that's mm-hmm. that is some of the problem at the moment for us so even if you have a defensive midfielder there yes maybe the shape in, in terms of you know what they're doing and maybe the spacing will be better but I think there's still fundamental issues in this side we saw the right hand side which you mentioned um, you know with James and wan and it did not work today and uh, we've got issues with Fred as well you know and there's there's a comment here or a question saying how much of the problem is solved by just playing together that's a great point I think that is True. you need yeah. more game time it's the third yeah. game of the season
1: I agree you know, since
0: there's new additions different fitness levels of players Definitely. Devani just made his first appearance today and is out. that's 100% you have to take that into consideration Rob because we are three games. We are three games in. I think that the issue is, Rob, is that there's two games that we've had. The last game, obviously, Leeds was fantastic. Last game was very, very poor. We had an issue with midfield. We played Matic and Fred. Ollie's tried to change it to fix it.
1: Pog and Fred hasn't. So we're looking at it, in like, where are the options? That's the problem. Really, yeah, I think and, for me. What's, and the, Dess- what's the solution? Today was fundamentally worse than Southampton. Yeah, Southampton was bad and we got a draw out of it, but we nearly won that game. You know, we really need, we nearly kind of, you know, if we won that game, it would have been different. Today, Wolves were much better than us. We were a complete mess, a complete nightmare, and we won the game. So that's football in a nutshell. That happens. But it's it's about developing these players, and it's it's true. Like that's how I felt. You know, I said that I think in our Ronaldo masterclass that I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wolves beat us today. Yeah, and the did. reason why yeah. the reason why I said that is because when you are integrating players, especially big time players, it doesn't always click immediately. So Sancho's fitness isn't quite there yet. You can still see that he did seventy minutes. That was probably about right. Uh, you can see with Varan, you know, he's a Rolls-Royce. He got through the game, but he does that by managing himself within the game. So you can see that he doesn't overrun. He doesn't overextend. He's not like Eric baye throwing himself in front of everything. But at the same time, he's still covering. He's doing intelligent work. Exactly. He's passing the ball. And I think we did see a little hint today that Maguire is going to get just that little bit more respite with Iran next to him. Is that Maguire, if he makes one mistake, I think he got nutmegged. Uh, by uh, the lad from yeah, Barcelona uh, what uh, Trincao, yeah. and, and the block by yeah. Varane he got good through his leg and Varane just went from here to there in no time and blocked the cross and I just went Lindelof doesn't get there no way, you know. Lindelof could be on a motorcycle when he wouldn't get
0: oh, there. Oh, we, so, we would have been two nil down, Rob. But there was two instances where Varane just covered the ground.
1: The athleticism is absolutely phenomenal for a centre back. So, exactly, and so like blue sky thinking might d- dictate that today United played badly, but there's like one or two things that got them over the line. Certainly one of the things that got them over the line was that the defence was pretty solid today. So even the whole back four and De Gea, they, you know, Wolves had opportunities in the final third, but it wasn't uh, a kind of uh, a pepper fest of the goal. It wasn't that they were like hammering United, United were kind of playing further, further back. They did in the last five minutes end up quite deep United. I didn't like that. I'd rather them seen them kind of play football but there wasn't a lot of football on show today from United but the back four at least did look solid and you think good that is something to take forward because you win titles you win trophies through your defense it starts there and that's where it ends as well you know if you can stop opponents then you can win football matches United stopped Wolves with a bit of luck but they also stopped them by their organization and as I said at the top of the show one nil is always enough
0: yeah, I think uh, just to add to Varane, Rob, I think he was, he got the assist today as well. I think it was a great, great debut. I think he was one of the few bright sparks. De Gea was one of them as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously Mason got the goal. But the biggest thing for me, and we, we talk about this in the Varane special that we did. Guys, if you haven't watched that yet, definitely have a watch of that because we actually talk about you know how Varane will fit into the system, what he'll offer. One of the things that stood out um, for both of us, you know, when that at Real Madrid was one, if you actually look at his statistics, he's got very low sort of tackling statistics, mm-hmm. and you look at it, and you think you're a bit puzzled. Why? It's because he's he's smart. He's more of a passive defender, yeah. but he thinks yeah. about when to go and when to not. You saw that today. There was no protection from that midfield. Zero yeah. for him, and Maguire. Yeah. And, and and you know, I, I thought Maguire was okay. I don't think he was particularly great today. I think you know he's, he's not had the great start to the season. But Varane looks levels above him, Rob. You know, and, and that and that's kind of what yeah. I want. For me, that's what, for me, that's what I saw. I thought I saw a defender that is who reads the game better, the anticipation is better. They're different players, and I think the partnership's going to work. To go into a game like this, and the Wolves are a physical, direct, explosive side. The crowd is, you know, the Molyneux is an absolute cauldron in, in terms of noise. You know, the fans are very, very noisy over there. And he was just, he was fantastic. And there's a good comment here, he calms everything down. Absolutely, yeah. he was calm. I, yeah. I was a little bit worried actually throwing him into this game. I saw him on the team sheet. Maguire was a little bit erratic. Yeah, a little bit today. But when I looked at Varane, I thought, you know, the athleticism, athleticism as I said, you know, the sort of uh, the reading of the game. And, um, you know, I think wan seemed a bit more calmer knowing that he's got Varane inside him. We did talk about that, didn't we? There was an issue in terms of uh, the communication and, and that relationship on that right-hand side of the defence of Manchester United between Lindelof and uh, wan And I think, look, early days, but I thought Varane was uh, very good today. And it's, it's only a positive, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think Varane was good today in terms of his debut coming into the Premier League, playing at that pace and kind of showing that he's not particularly bothered. As I said, he's a Rolls Royce. The best players are proactive players, not reactive. So what do I mean by that? So, you know, when everyone gets really hot about Amasaka making 20 tackles a game, that's reactive football. That's rubbish. Yeah. Reactive football having to get, cause you're out of position and having to make tackles is not clever football. Proactive football is when you read the game, you position yourself on the chessboard where you are and you do your job. So Varane did that today. So that helped Maguire. Now, I don't think Maguire had a bad game today. I think he had an average game, but I think they're trying to work it all out. So when your double pivot is dysfunctional in front of you, that's going to hurt Maguire more than Varane, yeah? Because Maguire is the person who's supposed to bring the ball out. So that is a, that's a that's that's a a problem factor for this match. I don't think that that's going to be a problem going through the season. I think when your double pivot is sorted or when McTominay's back in the weeks ahead, that Ole will go back to that. We might even see a signing, as I said, on deadline day, but don't hold your breath. But then I think Maguire will look more settled. I think Varane will look like he did today. As I said, that's kind of the player he is. And and his coverage is so good that he can sweep behind, which is, again, something that Vitalindov just does not have the quality to do. He's a decent player, Vitalindov, but he's not world-class. Varane is world-class. That's the difference you see, the tiny echelon of like, what, what means world-class and what means just a footballer. You know, Varan is a world-class footballer. That's what you're buying to come in and help everyone else to make the other positions better. I, d- I disagree with the fact that that bissaka looked more comfortable. I don't think so. I don't think he gave anything progressively today, Wambasaka. I think there were times when I wanted him to go and support uh, Mason on that side and a few times that Jaden was on that side. It was even a time later in the game we ended up kind of playing on the left. It's like, what are you doing there? That means the whole right-hand side is exposed. If that ball gets switched? We're dead. But luckily enough, I don't know how we ended up over on the left, but then he's back on the right. So to me, there are still tactical issues with um, Wabasaka, but you hope that playing with Varane and Varane's side going forward for the season, that he can iron those little creases out.
0: Yeah, I think there's still question marks over wan You know, he has improved and there's no doubt about it. But I think, you know, yeah. United need more from him going forward. And I think that without Trippier coming in, I wanted Trippier to come in, but it's not going to happen now, most likely. And as Dalot does go... For deadline day, we saw Dallow come on. I think Dallow has got an opportunity. We mentioned it yesterday, didn't you, Rob? That Oli does like Dallow. He wants to give yeah. the lad a chance for another year. I think there's yeah. a player in there. Defensively, Dallow is a disaster. He's almost the opposite of Wam Saka, but he does offer something going forward. You know, he's not good enough to be a winger, but he he does have a decent cross on him. Different so kind of player, yeah, yeah, different. But you need that in your squad. You need, totally. you need to have things that you know change. And you know, for example, I mean, there's a lot of questions about Van der Beek. I just want to go into Sancho uh, in a little bit more detail quickly. Because so I'm sure there are people that are probably disappointed. I mean, to be honest with you, Rob, I'm not surprised what I saw. You know, I think that, uh, like you said, he doesn't really look 100% fit. I think Varane... Varane well, he's, up not. Up we he's not. We know he's not. We know he's not fit yet. Yeah. And I think one of the things about Sancho as well is that it's going to take a little bit of time to to form those relationships. You know, he's playing on the left today with Luke Shaw. Uh, he went over to the right with Wan-Bissaka as well. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think what we, the problem we had last week as well was that he was obviously he's picking the ball up too deep. He wasn't no. getting in good areas. No. I don't remember at all. I remember a few times he's on the edge of the box. Again, it's going to take a little bit of time to build an understanding of the players, You know, understanding who's going to go where, who makes yeah. that move there, one touch, You know, that sort of thing. So I'm not really worried. I think he's just mm-hmm. going to take a little bit of time to adjust. Um, but I'd like to see him on the right rather than the left. I did tweet mm-hmm. before the game. A lot of people were like, why is he on the left? He can play on both sides. It's not a problem. Of course, All he wants a yeah. fluids done front three but I would like to see him more on the right because I think that's that is where he's going to play if Rashford comes back or Pogba comes back and I'd like him to start building that relationship with Wan-Bissaka early rather than playing on the left and moving over to the right and then we have to do that
1: again and I think when Marcus comes back and obviously we know he's back in train, it might take him a little bit while to get match fit and whatnot is that when Marcus is playing on the left I think Jaden will feel more balanced with someone that he knows really well on that side so when he plays on the right the switch is there they just have more cohesion they're friends they've, they've got a you know the professional relationship obviously as well through England and 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 I think that will help him it's going to take a little while for say for Sancho to fire so the difference with say Jack Grealish at City is that he's effectively playing his role at Aston Villa isn't he that's what he does so he, he's been dropped in doing his role there I think with Sancho, we want to see Sancho playing his role from Dortmund. But that's not quite what he's doing at the moment. It will be in the weeks ahead. But while United are still sorting out through this, this elongated pre see- uh, preseason period and that we are having issues in the double pivot and the ball's not being progressed and all those things, you have to kind of work on those things all together as a, as a one big system. Um, and I think he'll be okay. Like today, it's about getting his fitness. 70 minutes. I want to see him with the ball on the edge of the box. You know, and that means United need to find him. That means you probably have to play Paul Pogba further up the field. That means that Bruno needs to be better as a number 10. That means your striker needs to run the channel a little bit more. And United need to find that balance. That's when I think Ronaldo will be an asset. Because Ronaldo just being in that team is going to scare centre-backs. Oh, 100%. And, and more space
0: for these wide men. What it
1: well. will mean is that your back four, which is space like that, will do this. Yeah? They will go like that. Because the guy in the middle is the greatest footballer of all time, bar him and Messi, obviously, whatever you decide who is. So if you've got that player there, that's then going to help Jaden Sancho. That's going to help Bruno Fernandes. That's going to help Marcus. That's going to help Mason. It's going to help Cavani when he's on the pitch. So all those attacking players will feed off what Ronaldo brings because Ronaldo will intimidate defenders. And then you can pick up the pieces and, and do some of the good stuff. United today did no good stuff no one was intimidating anyone they couldn't even pass a football so that is worrying they are old issues but i don't think that they're not solvable i think you need to go on a training pitch get your new players integrated and find a way yeah
0: agreed i think there's a comment here saying you know what's my i think it's saying starting 11 so i'm going to tell you my starting 11 uh it's going to be four-two-three-one. rob if i was picking if everyone's fit i was picking the team tomorrow it'd be there and goal I think you know, I, I would actually sell Henderson. You know, you can get that wage off the book. That's just my opinion. I'm not, you know, I'm not that high on Wednesday. That's just my opinion. I would, I'm not that high on him. I don't think he's a he will be an elite keeper. Just my opinion. But I'd go Wan-Bissaka at right back. I'd go with Varanda Maguire and Shaw in you know, defense picks itself. You'd go McFred in midfield. Uh, but I would be thinking about Van der Baek. We will talk about Van der Beek, guys. We talk about him every single week. I, I th- me and Rob both agree, you know, he probably should have come on at halftime. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'd go Pogba off the left as it stands. Even if Rashford's back, I'd have Rashford on the bench. Ronaldo up front, Bruno at number ten, Sancho on the right, and that's very, very harsh on Mason. Extremely harsh on Mason, Mason, because you know he right now, you know he is probably United's uh, probably most informed player. But you know if everyone's fit and playing to their abilities, and I like Pogba
1: left it's not harsh because football is about winning. Yeah. And Mason yeah. is 19 and Mason is going to score tons of goals. I've always on the bench or whether he's starting. And this is the whole thing I get, being be in my bonnet about the whole starting 11 thing. Cause it's not about just your starters. It's about your team, your team wins it. So you're right. So like you're, you're leaving out Mason there, and people will be straight on you. Hayda. how can you leave Mason out? Well, in your best 11, he might just not be in it. It's just the way it is. So he will Yet. be one day, one yep. day he'll be indisposed. One day, he will be the first player on that team sheet. But while he's 19 years old, he should not be the first or second or third player on your team sheet. There should be other people who are earning hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds more than he is who should be taking that brunt and that weight. So, you know, it's a good team.
0: That's a great team. And then you look at the bench. It's it's unbelievable. You've got people like Cavani, you've got Martial, you've got Van der Beek, you've got Mason, uh, you've got Lindelof, who again, you know, Lindelof's a good rotation option as a centre-back, Rob. Yeah, totally. He should start week in, week out. You know, you could have him in the squad in the title-winning side. There's quality there. There's just a few fundamental issues, as we said at the beginning, which uh, keep keep cropping up. But we're going to talk about Van der Beek now before we wrap up. And uh, a lot of questions about Donny Van der Beek. Now, we mentioned and uh, you mentioned it earlier on that, you know, people were talking about the last Wolves game saying, oh, Van der Beek was man of the match. Different team. This Bruno Larger team is completely different. And, you know, we saw with Spurs, they've won, I think, the last three, first three games 1-0. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be yeah. great. They're completely different sides. Um, but when you're looking at Donny Van der Beek, um, look, we're three games in. But it is it is puzzling, Rob, to be honest, that he hasn't been an option or Oli, I'm sure Oli has looked at him. We don't know what's going on in training. We don't know whether he's not performing to levels, but looking at that midfield right now, and I'm, I'm thinking he's definitely an option there. Last season, we said he wasn't because he wasn't, he, he bulked up this season. He wasn't uh, aware of his positioning. He was leaving gaps. He was going forward when he wasn't meant to, playing in that deep position. But I think he can do a job there. And I'd like to see it because Rob, if there's no doubt about it, about, like, he's a superior and more technical footballer than Freddie McTomney. There's no doubt about it. But what he doesn't offer or hasn't ho- offered in the past is that functionality that those two offer. But surely now you're looking at it and he's got to think if I'm not going to get a midfielder in, use what's on the bench.
1: Yes. But let's add some com- context to it from both Van der Beek's camp and from Olegan Solskjaer. So Olegan Solskjaer said in his most recent presses about Donny van der Beek is that he's really pleased with how his preseason's gone. He's really pleased with how he's kind of strengthened all the extra work that he's done. And he feels there's no doubt this season that Donny van der Beek will play more games than he did last year. Yeah, he said that will happen. But he said one of the key th- <laughs> the little things he said was kind of a little marker is he said, I just need to see certain things from Donny in training consistently to be able to kind of pick him. So he kind of, that was him, that, me paraphrasing, but that's what he said. You know, he's putting it like that. Now, van der Beek's people and his agent, said in the last couple of weeks, the reason why Vanderbake hasn't thrown his dummy out the pram and said, I want to leave the football club, is that he's listened to what his managers told him. He's agreed with what his managers told him. He's understood what his managers told him, and he wants to prove himself. Now, I think that's a good scenario, yeah, because it means communication's good. and It means that Donny Vanderbake understands that at the moment he's not a starter, and he's not been a starter last year for a reason. Now, we talked about this in shows about what he did in that double pivot last year, how it collapsed, how it didn't work for him, and why he ended up sitting on the bench consistently. Now, he's still on the bench. Today was an opportunity for Ole if he really wanted to do something different and play maybe, a, say, a 4 3 from the beginning, You know, play that kind of system. He could have played van der Beek in there. But then you'd have had to have said, what do I do with Bruno Fernandes? Because in that system, you probably want van der Beek being the central fulcrum, being kind of someone in the in the middle. He doesn't really fit the kind of wider areas in a free, and there's no, there's less protection there. And then you're kind of saying to him, well, you've got better in pre-season. You've done this. You've done that. You're physically stronger. But, hey, it's the Premier League now. It's We've gone up a gear, and look, you've just gone and played Wolves and got killed, and we lost 3-0. You're not playing again. So I said at the start of the match that this might not have been a good matchup for Donny van der Beek and that's what I meant it's not that Donny van der Beek hasn't played in Champions League semi-finals like people were saying to me They're like oh you know he was playing against Crows and he's a great player and all this well do you know what since Donny van der Beek's been at Man United we have not seen this yeah well, so we, another thing
0: I want to add just quickly sorry sorry to interrupt is that people no. pull up the they screenshot the you know from who scored oh look Donny was here for he scored a goal playing in as a number eight and in a 4 2 3 against Chelsea or Spurs and I'm like I, 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 I don't want to be rude, but are you that stupid? Like to compare the two things, it's not the same. It's, that is quite rude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say <laughs> it. You know, are you stupid?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's comparing apples and oranges, though. It's like saying, okay, yeah. well, you know what? Bruno Fernandez played uh number eight at sporting at times. So that's mm. fine. So that means you bring him into Manchester United's team and he's better as a number. Eight. No, he's better as a number ten. And I actually would yeah. argue this. This is gonna be a really this is gonna be a bit of a hot take, guys. So please don't destroy me in the comments or if you listen to this on playback. But you could argue that Donny van der Beek fits better as a number eight in a four through three than Bruno Fernandez.
1: Well, yeah, of course he does. 100 percent And that's, and, that's and not I think hot, that's that's not a hot take. It's not a hot take. That is that is there is evidence to say when you look at what the systems he's played at Ajax and what he's done before, and what he's good at, and what he's not good at, and the fact that he can play six, eight, and ten, but it's a sliding scale of whether he's good at those things. Is that he prefers to be a number eight with number ten duties. Now Bruno can be a number eight with number ten duties, it just doesn't do him very well when he's a number eight. So if you're if Bruno Fernandes isn't scoring goals and getting you assists. What's the point of Bruno Fernandes? So you would then have a more conventional midfielder in there that maybe didn't do the stuff that Bruno does on the edge of the box and kind of going into the box. And then you would have a Donny van der Beek. So I think you're right, Haydar, in that context of looking at it like that. And that's what Ole would need to decide. But say he dropped Bruno Fernandes today, right? Let's be honest. He drops him and plays Donny van der Beek and loses the game. What happens? Sorted. And, you know, we all know that. And it would also be the wrong decision. It would also be crap management, yeah, if you did that, just to give Donny a run out. So this is why I say about Van Der Beek, he needs to be patient. He needs to wait for his opportunity. Players get injured. There are times when you're going to be able to jump in and do your thing and get a run. And when you get a run in the team, that's when you have to prove it. Donny Van Der Beek played lots of games last year, but obviously on minimal minutes. So people can say to him to with all the excuses, oh, well, he wasn't broken into the team. All of this. He had a year of training, a year of training at Manchester United. Now it does take a year sometimes for new players to understand what Manchester United's about. It's a hard, it's a hard place to play your football. But Donny van der Beek needs to be better. So at the moment he's not getting on the football pitch, and there will be reasons why he's not getting on the football pitch. He had a really good preseason, and today Ole thought, Do you know what? I've got to do a different double pivot. I trust Paul Pogba to do it because Paul's done it. 200 times in his career or whatever, a hundred times for Manchester United. That's why I'm doing it. And Donnie's going to have to sit. I I did think that at halftime, there was an opportunity to bring Van der Beek on and switch it up, but he decided to do something different. And the difference was Cavani. And the difference was Man United 1-1-0. So you can't criticize the manager today for not playing Van der Beek. I find it bizarre that van der Beek has this fan club that, 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 that is kind of based on I don't know what, because oh, I'll, I'll what, it's, it's, it's a strange thing because a, I like comment. him as well as a player. I like his, his style. I like what he's from. I like his stock. I like all of that. But I've not seen anything with this badge on his shirt yet that makes me think that, yeah, I've got to pick him every week doesn't work. Someone said, oh, it's like Miquetarian. Well, Miquetarian was the same. Miquetarian didn't get a chance under Jose for whatever reason, had a spell of 10 games where he was like world-class, then got injured, then dropped out the team. Then when he came back, was just junk and left the football club and has left... Other football clubs since, so that's on microtarian. And I think for Van der Beek, it's not as easy as just like, oh well, I'll just I'll sign for Real Madrid tomorrow, or Barcelona, and everyone will see I'm world class. I think he's got work to do, and that work doesn't just happen in one or two or three weeks. He'll get his chance, but fans again have just got to pipe down and go, you know, like, I wouldn't have picked Van der Beek over Fred today because Van der Beek is not a dog. He doesn't do that energy work that Fred does. But I tell you what. Fred needs to get on a training pitch, get a bag of balls there and start playing five and 10 yard passes yeah, and just... controlling the ball a bit more because he's better than that. Yeah. You saw, you saw when he was playing for Brazil in the summer, he's not a bad footballer. He can do it. But today he was flustered. The system was all, you know, all over the place. He can't play the four, three, three very well. He can't play without McTominay hey, Rob, as he,
0: well. He was asked to play in a, you know, as a lone
1: defensive midfielder today. That's not and, his game. And and, and and he tried, but you can see that he's oh. so overstretched. And that's why I say that United don't need a defensive midfielder, because if you played a defensive midfielder in today, you'd have just had the same problem with ball progression. So ball progression for a defensive midfielder, it had just gone backwards and forwards between the defenders and we'd have had 70 or 80 minutes of Jose Mourinho football. And that's fine if you've got Mourinho as your coach, you will play a low block and you might, a defensive midfielder then makes sense. Matic then makes sense. But if you want to play progressive football, be up the other end of the field, then you have to do other things. It's a work in progress, but you know as we always say you can't always say that you've got to see progress game to game and at the moment we've seen i think united have hit a little bit of a brick wall both on the selection because of a couple of injuries and just because the co- the, the chemistry is just just weird like i would just go back to having pogba up where you want him and get bruno doing bruno things and work around that. Look at those and pick your selection around those players. But of course, Ole's trying to get Sancho in there. He's going to now have to get uh, Ronaldo in there. Ronaldo's not going to sit on the bench, is he? Ronaldo's not going to sit there for six weeks and go, pick me when you want, boss. You know he's going to say, I need to start. So Ole needs to get answers. He needs to find them quickly.
0: Look, you will play against West Ham, uh, you know, in the cup. Uh, I just want to add this as well on Van der Beek before we wrap up, and then I just got one more question, Rob and uh then we'll wrap up but i was uh you know i think the thing with van der bake is that i think the fact is from i actually hear this all the time our oh, Croy will be rolling you know rolling in his grave because van der bake's not playing it's all nonsense i think it's just the illusion that obviously because he's come from like, look he's got one of the best footballing educations you can get and yeah. and there's no doubt about it but that doesn't necessarily translate you to you i, I saw someone uh, comment on the someone's tweet saying he's one of the best ball pro- progressors in uh, the world from the field that is actually one of the weakest parts of his game understand what player you've got here what he is fantastic at is he is intelligent you know he's good at playing one-touch football he does make clever runs into the box so there's all these things that he can do he you know what I like from him in pre-season against Everton I think that the balance uh, you know van der Beek and Fred together wouldn't work I think van der Beek and Matic t- together does work but obviously we saw the issues of Matic yeah and um, the thing about van der Beek that I liked in pre-season especially in that Everton game and it I said this when we actually did the show, we did a preview, didn't we, for the season. He was looking forward and he was, he was breaking the lines of passes first time to people like Bruno Fernandes. He was looking forward. Yeah. He wasn't doing that last season. If you look at statistics when he was uh, in the pivot, so McFred passed the ball forward more times than Donny van der Beek did when they played There you go. The- so that he's not a, so so, but I think he can improve that aspect of his game, but it's not natural to him. And it's the same with Bruno Fernandes, Rob. Bruno Fernandes is not going to be the one that picks the picks, you know, the sort of Kevin de Bruyne pass, the Paul Pogba yep. pass. That's yep. not what he's good at. And if you actually look at him, technically, he's not as good as Paul Pogba or Kevin de Bruyne. He's just not. That doesn't mean he's a bad player, but he's clutch when you get him into the box. He's going to score goals he's going to get assists. He's going to change games. He could yep. have the worst game. But Bruno Fernandes will come up with a winning goal. And I we're lucky to have him and Paul Pogba on our team, but yeah, for me today, dropping Pogba back into the Pivot. I did question it. I understood why the why he did it, but I think it didn't really pay off today. But second half, it got a bit better. But Rob, I do want to talk about Dan James quickly because for me, I saw his selection today. You're seeing a lot of reports that he could be out. He could be leaving. There's Everton. There's Leeds. There's other teams interested in him. Um, and for me, I felt like he played today. This this is just my view. It's probably wrong. You're going to laugh at me, but you know, you know, sometimes managers play players to so sort of put them out into the, the, the shop window. Let's say, um, is he off? Yeah, is he off? Is he is he leaving? Because it does seem like if he can if he can leave the club, I think Manchester United, you know, it could help them to be able to free up some wages uh,
1: to bring in a midfielder. Because I do think the club are looking at midfielders. It's just whether they can get one in the door. I, I think as it stands, Dan James going nowhere, and why? Because Olegan Solskjaer likes him. Like it's really weird that the whole of football, Twitter, and United fans always hate Dan James but the manager likes him it's the manager that counts it ain't you lot guys it really isn't so the manager sees him in training so like we saw today that dan james issue is the end product that's the problem so Olegan in the social group, he has faith in this player he's going to say i'm going to find you the end product we're going to train together and i'm going to get you to become a better player now if that happens great if it doesn't happen then the reputation continues doesn't it now, I think if United could get an offer for Dan James that they were happy with, and that they felt that there was value in that offer, his wages are not a problem. He's not on big wages, so you're not getting a big wage player off your bill. He's not on some astronomical wage, you know. As, as you might back. you might get 25 million. I know, obviously, it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's would you? But... Who's going to play 25 million for Dan James? Like you'll see, Bielsa loves him,
0: Rob. Bielza you know, are...
1: yeah, look, look, they, they might. You, you might get an offer if you got 25 million, then you would start talking. You go like, oh yes, please, you know you look at willock last season he he scored eight goals in the run-up in the last eight games of the season he went for 28 25, 25 million so that's the standard of 25 million pound player i don't think dan james is there dan james is a good player there are teams that want him because he does certain functional things well as well so united fans can bin him and trash him and say all of this And it will be for the reasons of his end product. That's what it is. But he's still definitely one of most defence... This is always a a juxtaposition. Our best defensive attacking player. He's really good at that. You saw even today where Wan-Bissaka lost the ball when Wan-Bissaka was going forward. Who saved his backside? It was Dan James running back and getting a a tackle in. So Ole does appreciate those things. I think managers do. So I don't think Ole's going to make his own squad weaker to just bring in another name and it doesn't work like that. Like it really doesn't like in transfer deadline day, you might lose one, you might gain one, but very rarely do they kind of work out together. It's just because you're either trying to trim your wage bill or you're trying to add a piece. Now I wouldn't be surprised if United had a piece. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if United go, we've tried to do our business and, you know, Jesse Lingard suddenly is gone because you saw there was no Jesse Lingard really today, not in, not involved in the game. You might even see if someone bids for Donny van der Beek, that Donny van der Beek is shown the door. If Oli thinks... I'm really not going to use this guy. And he's just been giving him lip service for the last few weeks. That could happen. He's done it before with Sanchez. Exactly. But I think the fact that they're they're going to let Ahmed go out on loan. So if you're going to let Ahmed go out on loan, you're not going to let Dan James go, are you? You know, it just just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, this is why has stayed, because the Trippier deal has basically collapsed. Um, Atletico wanted way too much money, certainly for a player that's got one year with another one year option. So he, he will stay there. And I think United looked and go, well, let's look at Delo for six months. Yeah, like, because in six months, we might be able to develop the boy. might be able to make him a better defender, a valid option off the bench, at least. Whereas this, this is the whole thing with Dan James. For him, he's, he's a bench player who starts every now and then. Once Ronaldo is in the team, that's another attacking position gone. And that means that. Mason will probably cover the right a little bit more so Mason might be the backup right-sided player but Sancho's going to be a starter Rashford's going to be a starter if Pogba isn't up there United you know, have got options i don't think Dan James there's a there's a kind of from within the club a uh, a real heat about getting rid of him no one looks at him as a problem he's a player that does a squad job and does it to a, decent standard Uh, and I find it weird that you know the fans get really upset about these fringe players who do fringe things and they're kind of like get rid of him it's like well if you get rid of him what are you going to do you just you have have injuries who do you put in there that's
0: like uh, the problem is that uh look I think everyone knows he's a fringe player the problem is he plays too much for a club the size of Manchester United he plays too much he starts too many
1: games let's just put it that way yeah, I don't think the statistics support that Hayder. Like, I think when you look at his over his 2 or 3 like his tenure at United, he's had big spells where he didn't play at all. You know, 20, 30, 40 games on the bench and never coming on and not playing. So he has been used last season, certainly a little bit more. That was mainly down to shape and down to injuries. So he gives you that energy going up that way and back that way. And if you want Wan-Bissaka to go, you might want someone to cover, yeah, because Wan-Bissaka is not as so good going forward. And he also gives you the option of playing left and right. So not all your players can do that. So I, I, I'm not going to lose sleep about Dan James. Dan James leaves the football club. I'll say good luck, Dan. One The
0: reason why I'm saying this is because someone did message me and the guys in the comments are saying, here, Oli just mm-hmm. said, James can go.
1: That's there, why there's, there's a potential. There like, he's just, you. Said that, he's if, just said if, that in the press. If, like I said, if there's an offer that United go, we like this offer, then there's a chance that he'll go, isn't there? There's always that chance. But what I'm saying is that I don't think United are kind of shopping him. And that's the way I actively look at it. You know, when United shop players, we hear about it or we know about it. They're not shopping Dan James. But if someone comes in and they think, do you know what? A loan spell at Everton is going to give him tons of games or loan spell at Leeds or someone is going to pay 25 million like you just told me you were like 25 million then united might go we'll take that 25 million because we've just given ronaldo 25 million in wages for a year and another 25 million next year so there there are all those things coming to play how you does but certainly with finances i think that's more united will be looking at they'll be looking at kind of their their wage bill and saying right where can we chop and change do we need this player? I'm surprised they kept Deleuze, but they've said openly they're keeping Deleuze because why pay Trippier £30 million to sit on the bench? It doesn't make sense, does it? So I think if Dan James is just going to be a rotational figure, they'll keep him. If they think he'll, they'll get more out of him by a sale or a loan, then they'll let him go. And I agree with you. I think today might have been a bit of shop windowing. You know, the United have done that before. Two and Zabi played the other day, didn't they? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. United shop window. That's all that was. So... Managers do that. Sometimes uh, the board say to them, you know, we need to move this player on or this is the player we've decided we want to move on with the director of football and whatnot. Dan James' place is not secure, but I don't think that Dan James is a problem to anyone at Manchester United.
0: No, I just think um look, people talk about squad player. He is a decent squad player, but I still think yeah. Manchester United need to get to the level that even if you're a squad player at Manchester United, you still yeah. have to yeah. have a good enough end product, and I think that's where he lacks. So, it's not good enough for you to just be you say, Yeah, he does track back, he works his socks off. But that's yeah. not good enough for Manchester United, even as a no. squad player. I'm thinking about squad players now and I'm looking around and thinking people like Elanga, who's got more than product, someone like uh Palistri, someone like Ahmad, that's the level that you have. Ahmad Surprised us with how good his end product was and his yeah. technical fundamentals. I think that's where James is lacking. So you know he he gets he really does get a rough ride, and uh, it's not nice to see he does get a rough ride. He gets abused left, right, and center. You can never ever doubt the fact that he gives one hundred and ten percent every single game. He'll work hard if he if you're if Oli tells him. I want you to track back every single time on on Adama. Let's just say, for
1: example, he said that today. He will do that without a shadow of doubt. And he's another dog. He's another dog. He's another dog. You know, he's another one that sometimes you need people to chase. So you're right. His end product is not good enough. But if you believe in the boy, then you stick with him and you play in games and you put him in. You're right. Alanga is a much bigger talent. Ahmed, a much bigger talent. But it doesn't mean that Dan James doesn't have a place at the football club. You know, I I hate this either or. People always do this, that there's an either or an or. There isn't an either. And all everyone's individual. You build your squad for your individuals and find a way. So, yeah, Dan James might leave the football club, but they won't be because of Alanger, it won't be because of Ahmed. It will be because they don't believe that he fits their profile of what they need any anymore going forward. Yeah. And he had absolutely. chances today, didn't he? He had chances in that final third to do something good. And he could have scored or he could have got an assist and he did nothing. So that is a problem. And you want your wingers, you want your wide players to be able to create, don't you? And he does not create enough. In the, to issue. be fair to me, he gets in the good positions. You just don't yeah. want him to be the one. You want someone yeah. like Sancho. But well, it, Jesse, Jesse Lingard yeah. goes to West Ham last year, right? Jesse Lingard goes, and goes there at the bottom of his, his career, yeah? And he comes out of it as like the best attacking midfielder in the Premier League. But if he'd been a Man United's team, coming off the bench or in a team, Do you think that would have been the same thing? So sometimes we don't see as fans what managers and everyone else sees as coaches when they're putting their teams out. And then eventually it pops and you get the result. And with Jesse Lingard, it worked very well for him, didn't it? And he, back in the England team and all these things, just missed out on Euros. Dan James, for Wales, was brilliant. When I saw him play for Wales through the Euros, that period, he's really, really good. Like you just said there, Bielsa likes him. Bielsa's not a bad coach. So these coaches do like this player. I think, you know, Benitez will like him because he'll give him genuine width and pace if he goes to Everton. So there'll be chances there. Like, I don't think that there's there's not a market for him. But um, I don't think there's a huge market. You know, we'll see, we'll see if someone's there that really wants him. But again, if he stays, no problem. If he goes, no problem.
0: Absolutely, Rob. And uh, there's a comment here saying that apparently Ahmad is injured, uh, loan deal, it looks like it's going to be off, so that's quite interesting. But let's let's What's go the to injuries.
1: We'll see. I don't know about the injury there. Was it? Not that must be apparently, very fresh news.
0: Yeah, apparently it just happened in training. So um, yeah, look, let's go to last word. And uh, what I will say is, look, t- today was difficult to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> we both you messaged me at halftime saying this is going to be fine, and the guys is always fun with our great listeners, guys. So thanks for all your. Amazing, some amazing, really insightful comments. Honestly, that helps us run this show very smoothly. So, thanks very much, guys. But, um, looking at Manchester United now sitting with seven points out of nine, I think they're second in the table. I haven't had a chance to look. So, you know what? We are, <laughs> we, we, it's a good start, it's better than last season. That that shouldn't be the standard. <laughs> and I, I'm i frustrated. Like, I sat there today, Rob, and I thought there's one player that I'm looking at who's wearing the same headband as me. He's copying my hairstyle and his name is Ruben Neves and he is top drawer. And I would love to see a player like that at Manchester United. Or I'd love to see United have quality like that in their midfield. We know there's issues. We know that there's still problems that need to be resolved. They're not new issues. We sit here every time and we actually go through the same issues before we do the show. But uh, look, we're going into international break. Two wins and a draw. Cristiano Ronaldo is back on the 11th positives and I want to be positive I don't want to sit here after every game talking about the manager's position position I've done that in the past and you know maybe I have been more emotional at that point but I don't want to talk about the manager's position I just want to see Manchester United do well I see a really exciting squad I see deficiencies in midfield Manchester United for me need to get a midfielder in before we end but there's more positives and negatives and this side can blow teams away in a second but they can also do what they've done today and uh, last week and be absolutely atrocious but the key is to Keep on getting those points, keep on winning when in previous seasons we wouldn't have done so. What's
1: that? Is that two wins and a draw now, isn't it, to open the yeah. season? So that's all right. You know, let's be honest. Two wins and a draw is probably par for the course. That's what, you know, at the start of the season, you'd love three wins, but you know, take what you can. Uh, I agree with you. There's no real need to be overtly negative going into third game. Someone said to me in the last one, like when I said it was only it's only two games long, people go, Oh. That's why everything is wrong at Manchester United because we would never have said that 10 years ago or five years ago and all that. Of course we would have. We would have said exactly the same thing. Under Fergie, we'd have gone, yeah, it's only two games into the season. It doesn't matter how well you play. It doesn't matter if you score 20 goals in your first two games. You don't win the title in your first two games. You don't. So United have got the weapons. They've got the players. It's been a good transfer window. It's not the perfect transfer window. I, I described it as an A- to the other day. Why is it an A-? Because you haven't got that extra midfielder. Ruben Neves would be a fantastic option. For two years, I've written articles about Ruben Neves coming to Man United and that he's the kind of player that we need. Someone who's a number six but can play progressively as a number eight. And let's be honest. If you want to play 4-3-3, Ruben Neves will play 4-3-3 a hundred times better than Bruno Fernandez, he'll play it loads better than Scott McTominay, and he'll play it better than Fred. One of the comments just said there Fred wouldn't get in Arsenal's team at the moment. I tell you what, Fred would get in Arsenal's team ahead of Xhaka. That would be oh, that's reality. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes, sometimes when we look at our worst players at Man United, we obviously feel bad on them or down on them. But quite a lot of them would still go and walk into most of the top teams in the top ten of the Premier League. Jesse Lingard's a really good example. <laughs> you know, he couldn't he, he can't get off the bench for two minutes, but he could go to teams in the Premier League and score 20 goals in a season or something like that. So I'm happy with what we've got at the moment. I think you have to just go with it. And also injuries are going to affect selection. So I think McTominay is a big loss. I think you need energy in the double pivot. I say it all the time. I'm not quite sure United have got the runners in the double pivot when you take Fred there because Fred needs help. Fred doesn't need to do all the work. You know, Fred, you know, this is why I say you don't need a defensive midfielder. You need two in the double pivot. Do this. One goes like this. One goes like that. And then they do this. And then they close it down. And that's how a double pivot works. Doing it's this is extension. so key, Rob. Do you know, so key because we want our
0: fullbacks to go forward. And I think at the moment Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw yeah. can do that, Wamsaka's not doing that as well. And I think that's that's another little bit of an issue. And that's why Oli wants Trippier. That's why Dallo's here because. Yeah. Well, he does want him to. He wants more from Wambsacca. It's not even the end product from Wambsacca. My issue with Wambsacca is actually on the ball in the build-up.
1: But it's not what Wambasaka does do. It's more what he doesn't do. So this is the whole thing with He can certainly, he's a winger by trade. Yeah, when he was a kid, he was a winger. He was an attacking player. Never never even had a sniff of defending. But yes, he's a great tackler of the ball. And I, I saw a couple of comments saying he was their man. And actually, I'm not quite sure why. You know, he makes that brilliant block on the line and that was fantastic. Uh, and that's a reactive moment where he had to be reactive. He didn't have a choice. But for me, he's still got lots to learn. He's still a young player. There's a reason why he's not in the England squad. I know people, you know, get on Southgate's back about it but I don't think he's probably England class or international class yet he's almost there on his day if he can add more assists more progression to his game and just more tidier football so like less giving the ball away and less silly passes inside and just more kind of width that Luke Shaw does with the overlap I think you've got a good player there I think you're all right with with wan but just the final word on it I think we just have to be a little bit more patient. What we saw today was not pretty, but you got the three points, put them in a the bag, go home. As you said, it's the international break now. That kind of coming up to that period always gives managers time to like reflect and reevaluate and look at three games. The three games have not been perfect, but the first game was brilliant. The second game was poor, but you got a point, so it wasn't the worst thing. And the final game today was a complete disaster for 70 minutes, but you won. So there are lots of kind of little positives there, which kind of uh, almost like double entendres to kind of say, well, you know, you kind of think to yourself that it was awful, but you won. It was bad, but you won. You know, something didn't work, but you won. That winning bit is what wins you the title.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of teams uh, competing for this title. And uh, I just want to say that, Guys, thanks for all your support. It's been amazing. If you haven't seen the Ronaldo one, we did do that yesterday, actually. We just got that uh, last minute one. Please do check it out because you'll be very surprised to see what Ronaldo can actually offer this Manchester United team. I'm still on the high. I'm going to enjoy the week off and try and cop a ticket. If I have to spend a couple of hundred for it, I'm going to do it, Rob. So I might see you at Old Trafford on the 11th. Guys, enjoy the international break. Unwind. Let's not have Oli in and Oli out. Let's just enjoy it because there's more positives than negatives. Enjoy the break and we'll see you next time.